Preserve Us, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about every saint you'll ever need. I'm Christian O'Toole, and I'm here with Rosemary Rogers and Sean Kelly, authors of Saints Preserve Us, the birthday book of saints, the Saint a Day Guide. And this is a special one, guys. It it's is. Uh, it is. Big Pat, St. <laughs> Patrick. Well, the idea that uh, Rogers, Kelly, and O'Toole are going to be completely neutral on this subject. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was actually on the way over here thinking which of us is the most Irish. <laughs> and it, it may be a wash, but all my grandparents came from Ireland. My mm-hmm. parents came, so I think I win. Yeah, you win. You're called a narrowback. I know. No, I know. <laughs> so your parents came from Ireland. My parents came, and actually they did it. Very poor job of assimilating, so they more or less stayed. <laughs> I like to say my father's body came over, but the rest of them stayed in Ireland. And what about you, Sean? My, my great-grandfather came over long, well before the famine, and I just found out his name, and it was Bartholomew. Oh. I called him Bartley or something. Bartley. I just discovered this on Ancestry.com. <laughs> Got a little like Bart Simpson in you, yeah. You've got a little of that energy. But I've got a bit of a notion though, going for himself, calling himself that big grand name. I know. Well, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> it's true. It's his parents. Well, so March seventeenth is the feast day of Saint Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, I assume, and mm-hmm. Nigeria, and Nigeria. Oh, and also, he now has some new patronages, which is he's invoked against witchcraft. Down here, so witchcraft and spells and all sorts of protection against uh, scary stuff. Blacksmiths, <laughs> blacksmiths, blacksmiths the and, evil eye. and women apparently. Well, the evilness of women. There's a uh, there's a there's a St. Patrick prayer that we'll get to later. The yes, that's invoked against the evilness, the evil spells of women, but that's oh, uh, m- mostly for witches. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to start with one big sort of scandalous fact that I have discovered in my readings about Patrick here, which is that he's not even Irish. <laughs> right? He's not. No. He's a Brit, actually. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> seems like the most opposite of what you would ever expect, well, given he, this guy's... He was born in the, on the west coast of the, the Big Island. Of Wales? Possibly Wales. Yeah, he spoke Welsh pretty, yeah, pretty but that, but So that's as good as Irish, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. If you're, you're, you know, they're all mixed. Yeah. Really. But he was, in fact, kidnapped by mix. Well, this was the, this was the story that I was reading, and it, it sounded kind of a, an adventurous tale, but he was sort of born to a, like a noble family mm-hmm. yeah. in, in Wales. Not only is he not Irish, his name was not even Patrick. Mm-mm. No. So, what was his original? You know, well, given I, name? I read Succoth, like a Jewish holiday, but you, you had another Succoth. one. I think Succoth. Well, Succoth. I have his name being um, um, Maywin, Maywin Succoth, <laughs> but that's <laughs> possibly not true. So here's here's young Succoth <laughs> out frolicking in his parents' estate. You know, as a little rich boy in mm. Wales, and up from the coast come uh, a band of Irish uh, brigands, brigands, ruffians, bandidos, and they uh, they captured him. And they put the first thing they did was put a collar around his neck. And this was a kid who was pretty cosseted up until then, so. This must have been quite a shock. Yeah, he was brought back to Ireland as a slave. He was sold, 
And then he basically just had to work in the fields. They shaved his head, mm-hmm. you know, to teach him a lesson, I guess. Of he became a coffee boy. Yeah. And they shaved <laughs> his head. I was just reading, though, that one of the things we recently learned is that the, the entire Viking land, the homeland of the Vikings, was about slaves. That's what the Vikings were out there getting. They'd pick up a chalice if they could get their hands on it. Right, right. But basically, they were out capturing slaves. And that this is a thing, of course, that African nations have been doing it to each other from the beginning of time. Is well, and then the Europeans were doing it to the Africans. So everyone's been enslaving, enslaving. everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Egyptians were doing it to the Hebrews. Uh, yeah, so it is kind of maybe the second oldest profession, <laughs> the slave trade, right? Like It's just... And they, it was taken for granted. It was, that's a thing that can happen. Yeah. And St. Patrick is on record as when he was back in Ireland and Bishop of Armagh or Antrim was on record for speaking out very, very forcefully about against slavery. Because and he was a slave. I'm sure he was, he was a, against it. Yes, he was. And it goes on record as the first person to speak out publicly against slavery. Well, I don't know if that means a whole lot, but he was, he was the first. So... After he's enslaved and he's out there working the fields, he got back to England eventually. How did that come about? Oh, but there was something that happened before he got back. Oh, well, see, he's, yes, he He found God. No, 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 but even before God, or maybe during God or after God. But uh, three biographers I've read said Patrick had a sin on his soul that was so great that he could never say what it was. So he had a hard time confessing it. And... They debated about it. They've decided that the biographers I read said that they think it was not a sexual sin. It could have been that he worshipped idols, but all three of them think that he committed a murder. Whoa. And this was in, in his teens? This was when he was still a rich boy. Oh. Oh, before he was enslaved. Mm-hmm. So then being... Before he got caught, too. Being captured would be his, the beginning of his that's, punishment. That's, uh, that's, where he, that's where logically his brain went to because he did this he would, horrible thing. And then, of course, he was atoning. He was, yeah, uh-huh. he was atoning. Yeah. So here's young Suckett, spoiled little rich boy. With a big sin. Commits some kind of sin. Commits some kind of horrible sin. We don't know what it is. Probably covered up by his rich parents. Mm-hmm. But he's feeling terrible about it. But then he gets captured, enslaved... And whilst working in the fields of Ireland with his head shaved, he and finds God on. and a collar on. Mm-hmm. A torque. <laughs> some rags and some, some yeah. light sandals. <laughs> he finds God because what else has he got to do, I guess? I guess. By the way, the, the Irish word for rags is brat. <laughs> so he was sort of a brat, according to you. <laughs> right, according to this. Yeah. But anyway, with the... the Two questions that I haven't seen anyone answer with any authority is how he found God while in the hills of, uh, Green Hills of Ireland, and how he got out of there. Oh, I know how he got out of there. He walked 200 miles. He, he heard a voice saying, go home. And so he got out of bed, walked 200 miles towards the shore. And when he went to the shore, there was a boat sitting there ready to take off, filled with Irish wolfhounds. And he just got on and, and took off and went back to England. Yeah, he had a dream that I read uh, that this ship was waiting for him. And so that's mm-hmm. when he finally went to escape. Was he disguised as a wolfhound? <laughs> <laughs> Because later on in his life, he was disguised as a deer. That's right. So he wrote a book, like a confession, similar to Augustine. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to have their confessions. Mm -hmm. And 
in that he talks about how he returned to Britain and what happened after that. He stayed there a long, long time, longer than I, I, longer than you would imagine, until he had another dream or a vision that said Vox Hibernicus. Well, well he went to the continent to be. He was ordained on the continent, mm-hmm. not in England. In, in Rome, he went to Rome. Yeah. So then he had another vision, basically saying, "Go back to Ireland mm-hmm. and be the voice of the Irish." Yeah, talk talk to them. <laughs> but I think there were already uh, missionaries in Ireland. When, yes. When he went back, and even when he was a slave. Well, that's the thing. He's sort of known for baptizing the Irish and bringing Christianity to Ireland. But you write, Sean, that there's there was somebody else who did it first. Palladius. Palladius. Palladius, who had been actually sent by the Pope. We have the authentic Pope sending him, Celestine, I think, mm-hmm. telling him to go and not just preach to the Irish, but preach to the Irish who believed. So presumably there were Christians in Ireland even before yeah. Palladius, who was before Patrick. Before Patrick. And the, the Pelagius, the British uh, heretic, was a hundred years before. Mm-hmm. And it, so the British Isles had been Christianized long before Patrick or Augustine of Canterbury. We're supposed to believe that Augustine right. of Canterbury came to England, a savage land. Right. Well, no, he was actually astonished to discover that everyone was already a Christian. He didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> also, Coleman and Declan and Manchin were building churches when Patrick was, was taken in as a slave. So They're building them for something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and building monasteries at the same time. Now, the th- it came to the Venerable Bede, writes about this, and from an English snotty point of view, but it came to a point where they had at the Council of Whitby, they had to decide whether... Celtic Christianity mm-hmm. or Roman Christianity was authentic. Which one was? Somebody was a heretic. Right. And needless to say, the thing was held in England and the English won. And they were debating the time of Easter. The Irish had a, the Celtic uh, church had a different way of, it wanted Easter to be exactly on the Passover. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the Romans didn't for whatever reason. But also they had a great debate about the tonsure and uh, how, how a monk was supposed to shave his head. So what is a tonsure? We, we've brought this up before, and I have to confess I've never really understood. Whenever one becomes, makes a big change in the religion, you do something with your hair. It's just a thing. <laughs> thing yeah. Because it t- requires real commitment. Something it's like, like getting bangs. Yes. Like, you know, like, exactly. you're I'm in it kidding. now. Yeah, you, it's going to take a year to get those things out of there. So uh, on the continent... They got the tonsure, which we're familiar with, the mm-hmm. Friar Tuck thing there with the and top. Shave the top of your head. The little yes. man bun, okay. but with, with a little man bun in the middle, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's because it's supposed to be the crown of thorns or something. <laughs> the, or the paraclete yes. descending, I think. But the Celts had a, a, a tonsure that went from ear to ear uh, across the top of the head, oh. right? And so one of these people had to be wrong, and it was almost in daggers drawn as they sorted it out. And my theory is it's about how you pattern bald. The <laughs> <laughs> Hedgehalians and male pattern balding starting at the crown of their heads. At the crown mm-hmm. going Whereas outwards. Whereas the Irish have the receding hairline. Goes backwards. Yeah. 
So it's basically a thing of convenience. Like, yeah, you're already going to go bald there. So you just shave it. Yes. And so oh, I'm so holy, <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, and the Italians are like, no, no, we have to be holy by shaving it back here. <laughs> we got, we, we got shave it over here. Then we're going to have this one and this one. <laughs> And then you're Hare Krishna. Yeah, there is no, there's no compromise on that because mm-hmm. one of them is going to have two bald patches now, and that's just, <laughs> that's just going to look ridiculous. It's funny that they went at it about that, but it's the point is that there were two orthodoxies. Mm-hmm. There was the orthodoxy of the of Saint Patrick and his disciples, mm-hmm. and then there was the orthodoxy of Saint Augustine and his disciples, and the Romans, the Ultramontanes, won. And some of the Irish apparently went back and said, we're still going to do our old thing. <laughs> but, but now they were heretics. Well, how did Patrick get his whole following here? He comes back. He's got the, the second vision to come back to Ireland. And then that was what I read. Is he was pretty tireless and basically but tromping he stayed, around he stayed the fields. Mostly, he really did just have his ministry centered in the north. Mm-hmm. Not that it had a lot of success in his future centuries. <laughs> But that's where really where his his whole thing was, and the other saints that I'd mentioned earlier went all around, you know, the rest of Ireland. He did he did go as far as Cork, but basically he was he stayed in Ulster the whole time. And he's buried there, down Patrick. He's buried in Down Patrick in the north, right? Yeah. Which and I think the church is a Church of England church. Yes, it is. Remember, we were there. Yeah, yeah. So that seems terrible. I know. And Bridget's <laughs> there and uh, Colin Kill. Mm-hmm. Their holy bones are all in. Well, so he had, he had kind of a whole entourage, I read, as he mm-hmm. was going around. Certainly because 12, some people say. Oh, he's, got, yeah, mm-hmm. like, he's trying to be like one of those. Yeah. yeah. Well, he had people that could like basically build churches, you know, like mm-hmm. once he got there, get them set up. How did Bridget fall in with him? We don't think they no. crossed paths, even though the, the legend has it that they did, but I don't... I that, don't he, that he uh, baptized, baptized her. That uh. was another uh, bapt, uh, bishop who, however, uh, consecrated her as a bishop, Bridget. Some guy got, some prelate got really drunk and <laughs> turned St. Bridget into a bishop. <laughs> These things happen. Well, good for her. I mean, the, you know, the she women got to take every opportunity to, yeah, to advance however they can and lean in. I think I just wanted to, uh, how did, uh, how did the, the, the Irish and the British, because they were one, one piece before the Anglo-Saxons came in and turned them all into bullet-headed savages. <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea, who was who, who to whom uh, who, who lent Jesus his tomb back in the in the day, uh, Joseph of Arimathea came to uh, England and uh, on a boat <laughs> with Saint Philip and uh, landed at uh, Glastonbury. Are you making this up? No. <laughs> He landed at Glastonbury. You know how St. Saint, Saint, uh, Mary and St. Margaret right. sailed as far as France and created... Right, right. with, with the gypsy handmaiden and everything. And, and, uh, yes, and got the Dan <laughs> Brown thing. But <laughs> the boat went on with, with Philip in command, and he sent Joseph to the far north. And Joseph landed at Glastonbury. Ah, uh. And he had the Holy Grail with him, oh. and uh, and that's wherever he hid the Holy Grail. All those uh, knights of 
the round table were looking for where Joseph had. Uh, oh, and that where he stashed it. That little that also comes to play in in uh, the rather hideous Da Vinci Code. Yes. At one point, they were in Scotland looking for the for uh, the Holy Grail. Yeah. Well, it's it, it is in anyhow. Tintagel is sometimes mm -hmm. where it's said to be, but he, the, that means that they brought Christianity, someone brought Christianity to the British Isles very early, in the life, in just after the death of Jesus. And Gildas, the, the historian, the one whose emblem is a snarling dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought he was a dog. <laughs> Gildas, who, who left uh, uh, Britain because when the Anglo-Saxons showed up, he just thought, I'm out of here. And he went to Brittany and he wrote the history of Britain. And he claims that Britain w was converted by somebody or other in, in the same generation as Jesus. So... And he had no reason to lie. Right. He was a snarling dog. <laughs> well, just like, the Holy Grail was... The cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper, mm -hmm. yes. and then Joseph of Arimathea used it to collect Jesus' blood when Apparently. he was crucified. Mm -hmm. It's a bit ghoulish. And then he just like went around with it. Like yes, that's, that's kind know. of the other thing that's a little weird is he's just taking it off as a little keepsake. But that's always a mystery to me because he was a member. He was a high priest of the Sanhedrin, so wasn't he worried that first of all he was giving his grave away to this heretic? Mm -hmm. Then he was carrying around his blood in a chalice. Well, he he seems like kind he of was, like a, a super Jesus fan uncle, or something. Though. He was Jesus' oh, uncle. Wow. And that's how he uh, got away with all that stuff. Oh, his holy nephew. And when he was a, he was a, a rich guy because he imported tin. <laughs> and then the Romans, in, even in Palestine, needed tin for their various shenanigans. <laughs> so he got rich importing tin from Cornwall. So the, Joseph would go send ships out to Cornwall where the tin mines are mm -hmm. and get the tin and bring it back and got rich. And once he brought teenage Jesus with him. Oh, my God. And uh, so Jesus walked in uh, Cornwall in, in England. Wow. On a road trip with his uncle. On a road trip with his uncle. <laughs> and you may not believe this, but William Blake believed it. Uh-huh. That the great song and did those feet in ancient times, right? I shall not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword rest in my hand, till we have built Jerusalem in England's green oh, and pleasant land. That's chariots of fire. Yeah, chariots of fire. Is it, it begins and did those feet in ancient times? Ah, he, Blake was willing to accept the possibility that Joseph had brought. Jesus and Joseph planted his walking stick when he landed, and it flourished. It was a, tr a great tree that blossomed twice a year at Easter and Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds goofy, except as soon as the Protestants came along, they cut it down. Oh. Well, there was another story about Patrick that I liked, where you know he had his big walking stick, uh, or I don't know, maybe more. Special than that, I don't know exactly yeah. what we call it, but a staff of some yeah, kind. He had right. a staff, and he was he was baptizing some high lord or king in Ireland. And in the middle of the ceremony, he slammed the staff down for some kind of you know emphasis, and he put it right through the guy's foot. <laughs> and the guy didn't say anything. You know, he said didn't say anything, and then they did the whole ceremony. Then Patrick looks down and goes, "Oh, 
I put this through your foot. And he goes, yeah, I thought that was part of the ceremony. <laughs> but Patrick just blessed it. And yeah, healed, yeah, and it healed right back. Sure. Yeah, he was said to have raised something like 300 dead people in Ireland mm -hmm. from the grave. Mm -hmm. Which I always wonder, too, like, how well preserved are they when they come back? I know. You well, know, does the corruption... Lazarus didn't look so hot from all the eyewitnesses <laughs> said. He just was a said, total, well, total mess. It's like Pet Cemetery, you know, like exactly. you bring them back and Zombies. then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This may have been a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now you've got The Walking Dead in Ireland, thanks yeah. to St. Patrick. Well, a lot of the uh, things that were attributed to Patrick were also attributed to, uh, what's his name, Palladius there. Mm -hmm. To the extent that some people think they're the same person or they're inextricably intertwined. But I don't believe that because I believe in St. Patrick. I've seen his bell. He carried the bell and I've seen it. So, duh. Right. <laughs> well, there was, uh, I mean, of course, there's the, the story that he drove the snakes out of Ireland. Right. And you guys, by the way, in, in your various books, give very short shrift to our St. No, Patrick, I have to say. That's a total... Also, the Shamrock and the Trinity thing is another made-up story. Yeah, I mean, you basically say he's a big phony, and there never <laughs> were any snakes in Ireland, and he no. wasn't even Irish, and then that's it. I mean, like, you've got, like, the honey sweet doctor gets a page and a half, and Patrick gets, like, one paragraph of snark. Oh, but my favorite story about Patrick was always something that I believe, that he and the, uh, the, the head druid in Ireland, they had a drumming contest. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's... The visuals on that are great. Is that yeah. with a bodhran? Yes. With that funny little <laughs> Irish drum? I don't know. But Patrick won, and that's how he got so many converts. That's not true either. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's a good story, though. It's like a battle now, of the bands. Here's like... the thing that happened to Patrick. Uh, Finn, Finn McCool, who was uh, a, a great warrior in, the, in dist the distant past in Ireland, a lot of stories and legends about, about him. About Finn McCool and the right. Well, Finn's son, Oshin, fell in love with a, uh, a fairy woman, uh, a woman of the she. As you do. As a, wouldn't you? Yeah. And she took him with her to Tirnog, to the land of eternal youth, where he lived with her for a while. And then he said he'd like to go back to Ireland. And the rule was he could, but he couldn't touch... Irish ground. Mm -hmm. So O'Sheen returned to Ireland and was astonished that everyone he knew was dead and had been dead for a hundred years. You could, that would be that would be a little Rip Van Winkley, right? Yeah. And uh, then he, unfortunately he fell off his horse <laughs> and he had touched the ground, and so he was a goner. Mm -hmm. Luckily, Saint Patrick came across him lying there <laughs> on the ground, and they had a big argument, a debate about the old religion and the new religion. And Patrick convinced O'Sheen and baptized him, and then O'Sheen just turned to dust. <laughs> oh, now, I, I gotta believe that story. That's because basically he no longer believed in all the old stories. No, he didn't say. And so the thing that had kept him alive that whole time was not true. Was not true. So then boom, he's gone. This is this is very similar to I have to say, I've just been reading The Lord of the Rings, and that's what happens to Bilbo in the end. When the ring is gone, then he really starts to get old and waste away right. because that's the thing that was keeping him alive. Yeah. Also, Aragorn fell in love with a uh, not a fairy, but an elf. And that was the whole thing, Arwen. too. Arwen, that's right. That, you know, 
if she stayed with him, she was going to die. She was going to die. Yeah. Well, that, when you come back from Tirnaog, you better not touch the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, yeah, the whole time passes differently. And, yeah. Her name was, I think her name was Neb, which is the same person who gave Merlin a hard time, right? Yeah. She trapped Merlin in a tree, I think. And oh, that's it, right. And it's spelled, of course, the Irish way. With, with the G's and H's. Well, the whole, the whole thing with the snakes really, I've also read it as a metaphor, basically, because the serpent is always, Correct. you know, the devil, just like St. Michael. <clears throat> when Dragon was a the form of the devil. We, whenever you see a statue of uh, uh, the Blessed Virgin, she is standing on a snake. And everyone knows that means she... But nobody thinks she drove all the snakes out of Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> but when they saw Patrick and a bunch of snakes, they took it literally. Right. The, the, uh, the, uh, another saint whose feast day it is today, Saint uh, Gertrude of Nivelle, when she was pictured, uh, she was always pictured, she was a, uh, a nun, an abbess, and she was always pictured sweeping up with a broom, and there were mice running all over the broom and up the handle and stuff. And the artist meant to say that these were the souls in purgatory that she was freeing. Uh -huh. But the normal human beings looked at it and thought she was either the patron saint of mice or the patron saint <laughs> against mice. Right, so the patron saint of cats <laughs> she became? So she became the patron saint of cats. <laughs> ah. But it's, again, it's misinterpreting the, the, the picture. Right. Like everyone thought that, that St. Lawrence was a cook. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, the one other thing I wanted to bring up about the snakes thing is that I feel like it's the inspiration for one of the best Simpsons episodes ever, the Whacking Day episode no. where everyone in Springfield, there's a one day where they oh, right. chase all the snakes, all the snakes out and, and whack them with sticks. <laughs> they chase them into the middle of town. Yes. And Lisa and do they, Simpson. Do they, get, do they die? They kill them. Well, that's the, that's what typically happened in all the years is that you know they, all the snakes get whacked, and it's basically like driving the snakes out of Springfield. Mm -hmm. But Lisa, being a vegetarian, you know, has a soft spot in her heart for the snakes. So, in order to attract all of the snakes, she needs like a low sound to vibrate in the earth because they're attracted to that so she gets Barry White to sing oh, yeah. and they point the speakers down at the ground and he says please don't hurt the snakes <laughs> so yeah I always imagine that that was inspired by the, the tale of St. Patrick well, there was, I worked on a television show which shall be nameless and, and, and um, one of the setups was puppets and all that sort of thing but one of the setups I wanted was um, uh, in the the kids and kids going to the library, and there's a, a snake, a big snake wearing a, an Irish rain hat, and sobbing away because he can never go home again. <laughs> and so the the kids help him with that. They go and look it up in books and say there are lots of snakes living in the Phoenix Zoological Gardens, which there are. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, that makes him feel a lot better. And so the lesson I was trying to teach was sometimes you can look something up and feel better. Right? <laughs> but also that words had put him in exile. So words are powerful. Mm -hmm. words, anyhow, I thought it was a cute. And words took him out of exile. Words took him out of exile. Um, but the, the producer, the director, the head writer on the show said, 
Won't that offend the Irish Catholics? (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing Patrick is associated with, obviously, is the color green and the shamrock. What does the shamrock signify for him? Because I heard that he went around, you know, using it as a metaphor, essentially. I don't even think that's true. <laughs> you don't think anything's true about him. <laughs> but play along with me for one moment while you like... All right, well, I don't know what to say. Cause... But the shamrock is just a clover. Mm-hmm. It's not as if they, you can only get shamrocks in Ireland. That's, but what, there's a song, there's a dear little plant. I used to have mm-hmm. to sing this. There's a dear little plant that grows in our isle. It was St. Patrick himself, sure, that set it. And the sun on his labor with pleasure did smile, and the dew from his eyes often wetted. <laughs> the idea that Patrick showed up in Ireland, planted the shamrock, right. then plucked the shamrock and explained the whole thing. And started eternity. talking about it. Uh, right. Right? Saying, see, three and one, get yes. it? And went, oh, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Where do I That's pay? what he used to say about that, that, you know, that vegetable knife. Yes. Three things in one. Well, the, we have new cover art for our podcast, Sean, and I dress you up as uh, St. Patrick holding a little shamrock. Oh, so. that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> but he also wears green, and the green has a different significance in Ireland, uh, according to what you've written here. And there's a little, a little poem about it. Oh, Patty, dear, and did you hear the news that's going round? The shamrock is by law for mid to grow forbid to grow on Irish ground. No more St. Patrick's Day will keep his color green, his... No more St. Patrick's Day will keep his color can't be seen, for there's a cruel law against the wear and the green. That begins, come and tell me. Now, what's his name? Napper can't... Shame. No, I know what it is. Hold on a second. Tell me. Pat, Pat O'Fallon. Pat O'Fallon. Come and tell me. Napper, Napper Tandy. Come and tell me, Napper Tandy. Uh, you know, it's a, it's in in Paris, the Irish expatriates in Paris uh, who fled after the well, rising, after the seventy eight rising, are talking about what's going on in Ireland, and they did because they all wore green. The rebels mm-hmm. that meant that green was taken to be a sign of being a rebel. So this is the Irish Rebellion of seventeen ninety eight. Yeah, against the British in Ireland, the rebels wore green. Mm-hmm. Or a green ribbon or a green something or other. It's, you know. Sean O'Fallon. Tell me now, Sean O'Fallon. Yes. No, that's where the gathering is to be. In the old spot by the river, right? Well known to you and me. One word more for signal token. token Whistle up a marching tune, and we'll all be together at the the rising rising of the the moon. moon. That's it. Napper Tandy is a whole other game. (laughs) So they wore a little sprig of shamrock or green waistband and hat. Uh, the insurgents, and the rebels flew a green flag with a gold harp. So afterwards, wearing green clothing or shamrocks was considered a rebellious act in and of itself, potentially even punishable by death. So the British basically were the ones putting a ban on the wearing of the green Mm -hmm. during colonialism. A wonderful thing happened at Queen Victoria, much maligned. At a certain point after the Boer War, where the Irish had fought on both sides, <laughs> but anyhow, a lot of Irish people were conscripted into the British Army or volunteered and died in fighting the Boers. And uh, the first St. Patrick's Day after the war was over, Queen Victoria presented the, her Irish 
troops with a big bowl of shamrocks. Um, right? Like, it's, that fight is over now. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, but still it was sweet of the old bat, wasn't it? <laughs> Although, what are they going to do with it, really? I'm going to talk about my family for a second. I'm sorry. Um, my father was born in 1900, which I know makes me sound really old, but I'm not. <laughs> um, he was just really old. <laughs> and I, from the census of Ireland, the 1900 census, um, his on the 1901 census, his birth was given as like nine months old. Then they did the census 10 years later in 1911, and his birth was given as six years old. In other words, he was aging backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized what was going on was that because in 1911, I think that they were really worried about you know, conscription of Irish boys into the British army. So he just took it upon himself to take a shave a few... Uh, <laughs> At least three years younger. Yeah, and which is, even now my father, is his grave where he's buried has his phony age, <laughs> as does his passport and his citizenship paper, but you could tell they were all fudged because his Clark stains all over. The, uh, <laughs> joining the British Army was called taking the king's shilling. Right <laughs> and that Barry Lyndon is all about that particular subject. He takes the king's shilling. That's like the one uh, Kubrick movie. No, it's a wonderful, wonderful camera work, really. <laughs> and it has a double, uh, the, the, the chieftains do the soundtrack. Yeah, the uh, soundtrack's great. But uh, it has Brian. And that, there you, you go. So, Well, no. the, the wearing of the green and that whole shtick has really, if oh, you've yes. ever been in New York City or any of these major cities oh, in the that. U.S. around St. Patrick's Day, you get all the idiots come out of the woodwork. From uh, New Jersey. From New Jersey, from Long like Island. The bridge and tunnel crowd, as they say, show up. They are drunk by 8, eight o'clock in the morning, yes. I swear. And they wear those strange cellophane bowler hats. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> the little leprechaun <laughs> hats. <laughs> They've got shamrock glasses. They've, I mean, it is just the sloppiest thing it's you've really, ever seen. It's really bad. <laughs> Especially if you're going like the Upper East Side, there's a whole, they do like a whole pub crawl going from one Irish bar to another. Mm. And they're just hammered in the streets by noon, um, you know, falling in on honor, themselves. In honor of the brave Irish, <laughs> yes. the Irish dead. They've left us our Irish <laughs> dead, the pools, the pools. <laughs> well, the first parade honoring uh, the Catholic feast day of St. Patrick was actually held in, of all places, Florida. In St. Augustine, or, you know... Well, I thought it was in Boston. Well, no. not according to this. I mean, it was... Uh, St. Augustine was named after St. Augustine, as we mentioned on his episode, in March 17, 1601, in the Spanish colony, oh, under the direction of the colony's Irish vicar, Ricardo Artur. How was the Irish vicar named Ricardo? Well... Like Bernardo O'Higgins. Yes. <laughs> Who's the first, your, man, your, piano, your piano genius? Oh, uh, yes. What's his name? Arturo O'Farrell. Yes. The first NYC St. Patrick's Day was on March 17, 1762, when Irish soldiers serving in the English army marched to the music of the city. So they were taking the king's shilling. Mm -hmm. But they still had their little um, parade. And then Montreal, Sean, mm -hmm. Canada representing the St. Patrick's Day parade, is the longest running in Canada, uninterrupted, from 1824 
until 2019, I guess. Well, then it was interrupted. And it was the, and, interrupted and it was by COVID. COVID. And I would, uh, our family, of course, would walk down St. Catherine Street with a, it was painted a green line down the street. And my Uncle Jimmy uh, would have shamrocks flown in from <laughs> Ireland, allegedly. And he had a blackthorn shillelagh that he carried. And I would walk beside him in the parade as just as proud as punch. Oh, yeah. And the story is that my grandmother, the least romantic person, <laughs> well, a, a easily the least romantic person ever, went to the St. Patrick's Day parade in, let's say, 1900, earlier than that. Mm -hmm. And she saw my grandfather marching in the parade, and she said to her sister Kate, that's the man I'm going to marry. Oh, that's so sweet. Is that amazing? So nice. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, there's a romantic story of Rosemary's daughter and myself that uh, we first sort of got together on St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, there's a uh, love is in the air, and a lot of people are drunk. So you know. <laughs> Uh, say, it's a, say it's a fine night for a man and a woman. Yeah, so, but St. Patrick's Day, I think it's funny, didn't, as a parade, didn't make its way to Ireland until 1931 uh, when the first parade was held in Dublin. They're not even that big on it. No, no they're the not. It's, and they don't, they really kind of have a lot of disdain for what goes on in New York. I know that. that well, well and then Chicago, they dye the river yeah. green, which just seems like an environmental in, disaster. In Cork, they have a parade with uh, floats. Like it's uh, like a, a New Orleans kind of thing, <laughs> and every year the gay float wins. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, that was always a big issue of contention too. Was that the gay community, the LGBT, the LGBT community, always wanted to march in the parades in Boston and Ireland, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let them. The bishops and the whoever, and I don't know. Backs, but now the, they now the they can. Well, Not in, in uh, Staten Island. Yeah, it wasn't until 2015 that in New York City's St. Patrick's Day Parade, they allowed the first LGBT group uh, with an identifying banner. Wow. And that had been a, a longstanding uh, ban that had been on them. And I always think it's like, you know, it's the weirdest thing. Like, it's a parade, you know? You got to ban someone from marching, you know, and like waving a flag. and. Well, that connection between... Irish and Catholic, or yeah. Irish and Protestant, mm -hmm. is is one of those things where you think, no, there's you know, there's Irish atheists. Right. <laughs> George Bernard Shaw springs to mind, but the the identity because the, the one thing the Irish had to hang on to was their Catholicism. Mm -hmm. They couldn't own land, they couldn't go to school, they couldn't own a horse, but they could buy Jesus say the beads, and they could not. And for a long period of time, they had to hear mass in secret. Yeah. So the identity, Irish identity and Catholic, came to be very uh, intertwined. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when the Brits let up and said, okay, you can have some, you can go above ground, the priests who were brought in were brought in from France, and they were Jansenist bastards. Right. <laughs> So that they, uh, uh, until the Jansenist bastard priests showed up from France, the Irish were as sexual as any other group of people. Right. But once those guys did their work, it was 
you know, it's all repression all the time. All repression all the time. And if a woman has sex, you make her do the laundry for the next hundred years. <laughs> all that awful stuff. Right. So it was a bad, a bad moment for the for Ireland to get its religion back. Right. Because the religion it got was French Jansenism. Well, yeah, that filled the the void. You know, that's what came in. Right. At Whereas you know, before, as we've mentioned, you know, Patrick. Uh, was working with Bridget, who was, you know, out there performing abortions. Sure. And, you know, so... And, and getting made into a bishop yeah, by a drunken by bishop. a drunken guy. <laughs> I like this other thing you, uh, you wrote here. There was a... Um, there was a parade chairman, Judge James J. Comerford, and yeah. he banned Brendan Behan for being a common drunk in 1961... Behan shot back and said he had a new theory about snakes. When St. Patrick drove them all out of Ireland, they all came to New York and became judges. <laughs> but it really is. It's, it, it is up there with SantaCon as the worst day yes, to be in Manhattan. It is up there with SantaCon. I never thought... And I don't know which, what, which group is more insufferable because, it, A, they're not Santas. And B, like, they're mostly not Irish that no. are out there. Like, no, they're not. All the proper Irish just look at this thing. Well, with because... Feeling really... I know, I look at it and I feel like I want to go by, you know... That a I feel shillelagh like and yeah. start smacking people? We had... Uh, after Rosemary and I wrote our, our Irish book, uh, Time Out New York was going to publicize it in some way, which you have to be a total whore and go right, around yeah. wherever they want. And they wanted to go with me on a pub crawl mm -hmm. on St. Patrick's. And I said, why will I go on a pub crawl? If I find a pub that I like, I'm not leaving it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the guy insisted anyhow that, no, we had to do this. And I thought, because I'm a whore, mm -hmm. or whore, a as whore. a whore, <laughs> Well, I went with the young man. He was a very pleasant young man. He had a tape recorder and everything. And we went to, I don't know, eight or nine pubs. And he lost everything. He lost his tape recorder. He lost <laughs> oh. his notebook. <laughs> he got shit-faced. He got shit-faced. <laughs> so, and uh, uh, I guess what it is, he thought he had to finish every pint. Ah, uh, yes. You know, and if you're moving from pub to pub, you just want to... But it, it was pretty funny. Yes. Well, that's how I used to feel, too, which is why I stopped drinking. Yeah. <laughs> it gets to you after a while sure. when you finish every pint. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, I think I want to wrap it up with the one... Um, there's a... St. Patrick had a, a sort of a morning prayer or meditation that you guys told me about. It's um, beautiful. And Sean knows it by heart. So no, I think I don't we know it by heart. Well, he knows the... the, the, the so what is it called? What is it? What's the name the of this? The Deer's Cry. It's called the Lorica of St. Patrick. A Lorica meaning a breastplate. If you right. were going into battle, you'd have a Lorica. And so and in the sense that like it defends you? It's, yes, it's, it's your, your protection, protection against wickedness. Right. Of like, of women. Of women. <laughs> the evils of women. And, or and witches. Blacksmiths. blacksmiths. <laughs> it's very weird that they're so anti-blacksmith. But anyhow, the story was that Patrick and his 12 uh, assistant followers yeah, <laughs> were, were the, 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 the bad pagans were after them. They were going to kill them. And, the, and Patrick and his uh, disciples had to get from one place to another 
And they did. They just walked in front of the you know, armed enemies, and they appeared to be deer. Ah. So that's how they got away. Now, I would have thought the, the pagan mix would have shot the deer for sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's good eating on one of those babies. But yeah. Anyhow, that's why it's called the deer's cry. Because... Uh, well, we're trying to get him to do it like one verse of this, but it doesn't seem like he's going to well, do was, it. Well, we were listening to a, a song version of it earlier. I remember Christ in the mouth of everyone when it, it, and speaks of When me. it gets really rolling, he says, uh, Christ on my left hand, Christ on my right hand, Christ above me, Christ below me, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I stand up, Christ in the eyes of every man who sees me, Christ in the ears of every man who hears me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me. Which is pretty funky, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it sounds like but a... It's, like I a, think it's a mantra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, it's I mean, which is fine with me. <laughs> it's like Hare Krishna, except it's about Christ. Right, yeah. Who's never painted himself blue, and Krishna did that. <laughs> well, yeah, I like that too. So I think, you know, if you're going to be doing some meditation... Yes. You know, and I think we could all use that these days, a little centering, a little, uh, you know, mindfulness. You can you can look up the Lorica. The Lorica or the Deer's Cry. Deer's Cry of St. Patrick. And, uh, and it's also a beautiful musical version on Spotify and Apple and all those things. So check it out and you can chant yourself into... Uh, a drunken stupor <laughs> celebrate <laughs> rather than getting drunk on the streets of Manhattan. Why don't you go chat the Lorica of St. Patrick and you'll be a little more, you know, calm and centered and you can avoid losing your wallet and your tape recorder <laughs> and your dignity in a pub crawl on the Upper East Side. Because trust me, you don't want to be there. Even no. the Irish don't do it. So, so hats off to St. Patrick. Uh, on on this, you know, St. Patrick's Day, we do. I I still do admire him because uh, at he least he brings tenacious. the Irish a little bit of you know clout and respectability because the rest of the <laughs> stereotypes about us are almost all bad. So but the typical Irish, you know, which is an expression the Irish used to say the worst. Right, right. Typical Irish. When you know, <laughs> I fell down, typical Irish. Uh, St. Patrick was typically Irish in that he was tenacious. It was just crazy how tenacious he was. Think you escaped. Well done. Going back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the matter with you? Right? Yeah. And so he's a, like an Irish terrier. Yeah. They don't let go. Yeah. No, they don't. You know, that Irish Alzheimer's is you've forgotten everything but the grudges. <laughs> I also, there's some kind of also metaphor in here about the self-respect and self-worth uh, of Irish in that their greatest <laughs> saint that they hold up is a British guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, say a prayer to St. Patrick today for all those uh, bridge and tunnel crowd who need the I'm protection. ruin the city yeah. and... And vomit. May God help them and have mercy on their souls. <laughs> God, they're forgiving.